Um, there was a time where the back, and I'm not even, I'm not kidding, the background, like the wallpaper of my laptop was that image. Stop it. <laughs> and I just remember watching it and thinking, huh, I think I like dudes. <laughs> Welcome to You Made Me Queer. I am your host, Trevor Campbell, and this is our first episode. Uh, I listened to a lot of podcasts and I was monitoring the landscape and thought, you know, what's missing is the hot take of another white cis male. So, uh, you know, here I am to step up to the mic. You're welcome. So I do a lot of work in radio and journalism. I've interviewed a lot of people. I love comedy and improv, and I live in a basement apartment in a very expensive city. So this just felt like my time, you know, it was my time. Consider this like uh, eight tenths passion project and two tenths soft, soothing cry for help from the uh, basement window. So now you know something about me, but something else I need to tell you straight out of the gate is that I am queer. That's a bit of a fluid term, and I think it's also a bit contentious, but for the purposes of this show, I want to use it in its most flexible sense. So kind of like a catch-all for any orientation or gender identity that falls outside of this sort of cisgender and heteronormative bucket. So talking about queerness, I am also a child of the 80s who was raised Catholic. So I grew up hearing a lot of conversations about who or what made, big air quotes here, what made people queer. Was it caused by too many hugs? Not enough hugs? Uh, were the hugs too long? Maybe a little too short? Was it caused by the guy in the panel van who asked you that one time if you liked Maltesers when you were walking to the convenience store? Was it caused by the way your hips subconsciously moved when you heard Jump by the Pointer Sisters? Or was it the flavor of ice cream you most often chose and ate, which for me was Neapolitan, a truly non-binary ice cream that just added to the confusion. So people were, and still are obviously all the time, constantly guessing about what makes people queer. And now, uh, thanks to noted bisexual Lady Gaga, we know that people are in fact born this way. Thank you for that one, Gogs. Even though I still maintain it was a bit too on the nose and heavy-handed. However, I appreciate the belting and pageantry. But Regardless, it's still fun for queer people to think about that first moment when they knew they were different. I have plenty of these stories, and I love hearing them from other people. And LGBTQ plus folks, I always run up to that like I'm about to do like a triple axel or something. Like I need the momentum. Uh, anyway, queer folks are all different, but no matter where they find themselves on that big old rainbow spectrum and its ever-growing list of letters and symbols, an origin story is something every queer person has in common. So that's what this show is for. Basically, each episode, I invite a guest to come on and point the finger of blame at who and or what made them queer. Bang, bang, bong, sing, sing, song, the time for retribution has come. So that brings me to my very first guest, Colin Asuncion. He is a beloved finalist from season three of The Great Canadian Baking Show, which you can watch on CBC Gem and Netflix. Uh, since becoming a fan favorite on that show and one of my favorites, Colin has launched a custom cake business and also hosts online corporate baking classes. Well, la-di-da. You may have spotted him as part of the Dobros in a new campaign of commercials for a certain brand of flour, who I am not plugging here because they're not paying me, but they're welcome to. Colin is also a marketing professional, a seasoned stage performer, a former commentator on MTV Canada's The After Show, and girl can sing like for real. Colin's voice is like that hot pat of butter that they put on top of the pancakes in the pancake commercials. He's the butter, uh, and I'm here for it. Anyway, a quick note about this episode. We recorded it right at the end of 2020, so when Colin says next year, he means 
this one 2021 although honestly what is time anymore <laughs> does does it mean anything do we still count years i don't know okay please enjoy my conversation with the absolutely wonderful colin asuncion you made me queer just always done a lot of stuff but I like to organize my life in three streams, okay. or at least that's how I compartmentalize right now. Like I have my marketing career, I have my music and theater performance, and now I have baking as a third stream. So as long as things fall into one of those buckets, I feel like I can stay organized and stay sane. Absolutely. Um, but anything extraneous, I'm just like, oh, too much, you know. I mean, but uh, yes, and also kudos you, because that sounds like three full careers, so. It is, it's too much. <laughs> maybe I'll Maybe I'll get rid of one of them. But not right now. I'm still young-ish. You're still young, and now's a good time. I mean, what else are we going to be doing? Like, what, what do you find yourself doing when you're not in one of those three careers right now? Sleeping. <laughs> um, uh, my quarantine activity has been taking long baths. Yes. Which has been such a, such a joy. Um, and I have rediscovered HBO. So when I'm not busy, I'm just watching Big Little Lies, which I actually just finished. Oh, I... So now I have nothing to watch. Well, listen, okay, first of all, I haven't seen it, so no spoilers. Okay, people lie. <laughs> Are they big? Are they little? That's for me to They're find big out. big and little. Yeah, it's, that's, that's, that's for you to decide, exactly. That's right. Don't tell me the size of the lies. Okay. HBO's got some good deep cuts, though. Like, have you gone into the back catalog? Okay, I've got, well, no. But, well, yes and no. Like, I'm, I'm looking at things from, like, the late 90s and the early 2000s. So, like, I, I forgot that Sex in the City is HBO. And when I was younger, I used to think that was such a glamorous, fun show. And I watched a couple of episodes the other day, and I thought... This does not hold up. <laughs> no, like, my memory of it is all. like four white women who refuse to take public transit. Yeah, and one who blames all her problems on everybody else. And she gets to narrate the whole thing. <laughs> no, thank you. So I'm not a huge fan. I used to be such a fan. Yeah. But I think that's just, that was a symptom of the time. Yeah. Like early 2000s, I think that's when it, like late 90s, early 2000s is when it came out, I think. I remember we had, I grew up in Oakville. We had HBO and I remember watching the first episode when it premiered. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. As a big gay in the basement, my brother was having a high school party <laughs> in the backyard. So everyone's like, girls in sports. And I was in the basement Ugh, alone. Gross. I know, please. In the basement alone, watching Sarah Jessica Parker and her rich buds splash onto TV. Yeah. And I think, like, at that time, like, like the fashion industry and, like, being single and New York, like, were all such buzzwords and such, like, sexy, cool things. And now I feel like it's not as glamorized as it was before. And also, that was pre-reality TV. So we only, yeah. we didn't have, like, all of the messy people in New York. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> well, I was also thinking of, because I, I, this is so gross. This is super gross. <laughs> but I've been, I've been watching The Hills. Do you remember The Hills? I do remember it, and I've never seen it. But I was just talking about it the other day. So it's garbage. Okay. Well, I shouldn't say it. It's not garbage. It's just, like, it's not um intellectual material <laughs> and the reason why i watched it at all when it was out was because i was on the after show on mtv canada amazing and so oh, wait so I did you like, have to talk about it yeah <laughs> and i i remember i like i had seen maybe an episode and then i went to this taping for i think it was mtv live at the time and then they said oh you know we're looking for people for the after show to appear like on the couch with, with dan and jesse i'm like oh yeah i'll go to that audition and then i went to the audition and i was like okay i better like watch a couple episodes of this show so that i know what i'm talking about and i watched and i'm like yeah this is isn't awful but it's not great and i went to the audition and then i got it and i'm like oh god now i have to actually watch the show now to, like, you have to watch the whole show about. yeah and so i i watched like i don't know the season before i i went on to the after show but now i've been going into the back episodes and watching from the beginning and it's um it's so funny because at the time i thought the people on that show were like so mature and and at the time they were older than me and now i watch and i'm like these are people in their early 20s some of them are still teenagers some people in their early 20s just flitting about LA with so much money and so much time on their hands and cameras everywhere I just think like I how old were they I, so I'm on an episode where it's somebody's 21st birthday so they're babies but they look older than me still and I'm 32 <laughs> 
But I think I think that's because I'm Asian. So like I'm destined to look younger than I am for a long time, which I'm not complaining about. Well, listen, okay. So me, the idea of 21 year old me having the opportunity to have cameras follow me, I think I would have said yes. Okay. Now thinking about it, like A, it would have been the truly the most boring piece of television of all time. <laughs> I cannot stress that enough. But the things I would have done that now there would be a record of, like, I wonder how they look back at that now. I don't know how people do reality TV, but I, I think we're going to get to that, Colin. You can tell me. Oh, yes, this is true. <laughs> you may, you looked blank. Colin has been on reality television. I was like, reality TV? Oh, yeah, I did that. Right. It's funny because, yeah, like, I don't consider it reality TV, but it is reality because it's a competition. So I, I, I thought of it more as like a game show. Okay. But I guess it was like, right. it was filmed like documentary style. Like they're on us like from 7 a.m. until 7 p.m. But I can't imagine having my actual personal life on television and having people document that. See, that's funny because I, I'm i a legit fan of the show, for sure. Any baking on TV is just like, I'll take that over planet Earth. And today <laughs> it's the most soothing thing for me. It is very soothing. And you stood out on the show for me as someone who just seemed really authentic oh, in a really you. lovely way so, yeah yeah absolutely but in that sense like i don't know maybe you've just admitted you were manipulating me and that was a character <laughs> and you were hiding your true self someone asked me like oh like were you trying to put on a character or like oh did the producers tell you to say that thing that you said that time or like basically how self-produced were you and I, um, I think I went into it thinking, you know, I'm going to be my most vivacious self. Like, I'm going to really put my best foot forward. But when I was in the tent actually competing, I was actually under so much stress. <laughs> I was so anxious and tired and, like, afraid <laughs> that when I watch it back, I don't remember saying any of that. I don't remember anything. Right. And things that they caught, I'm like, is that is that me? Or is that what I look and sound like when I'm really stressed? I guess so. I guess I look like I'm at a funeral <laughs> when someone's talking about a cake that I made. So, I mean, I, I don't think I was manipulating people <laughs> into liking me. Hopefully people do like me from the show. Well, I think the reaction has been really positive. But did you feel really stressed for most of that? Oh, yeah. I think that um, my level of stress was not fully captured. But I think, I think that's due to a couple things i think that's not really fun to watch <laughs> watching like colin cry <laughs> all the time but i think also <laughs> we're gonna cut that part out that shame cry yeah <laughs> great but i think also because you know i i do have a stage and and theater background and also i spent years working in retail customer service when i was an undergrad and i think that combination of like performance, but also customer service mentality and customer service persona, I think they combined and I think they always combine in me to, um, to help me hide my stress <laughs> so people don't really know exactly how I'm feeling. <laughs> Uh, at least that's what I think. And then that's when right. I see footage of me being judged on the show, um, just like waiting in silence as they discuss my cake, that's when I see me really be stressed because I can't hide it on my face, I don't think. <laughs> I can't imagine. Her so it's like you look fine. But if we zoom in real tight on the HD, we can just see the little eye twitch going. Just one drop of blood. <laughs> that's right. Just coming right from this eye. That bloody tear. They edit it out in post. Exactly. They, yeah, they just uh, smooth that out in Photoshop. I don't know how video editing works. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, that's for the, that's for the AVP. Which apparently we are becoming. It's the funny thing when you record a podcast for audio because, of course, there's a whole visual element and Colin and I are not in the same space. Uh, so we are talking over Zoom and I can see a very tasteful sort of like um, geometric <laughs> shape shelves. There's a, a golden pineapple. I love a pineapple. I nice. love pineapple. Oh, my God. Tell me about it. <laughs> Just trying to keep it tropical. So that's what people are missing. And then on my end, uh, Colin's being treated to basically a dirty drop cloth behind me. Oh, it doesn't look dirty. It looks very fresh. Oh, thanks. You, Thank you. You look like you're doing a self-tape. The Sex in the City reboot. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Could you imagine? <laughs> I mean, that would be, I, I was going to say like four queer men yeah. instead of those four cisgendered straight white women. Yeah. But then I guess there was that show Looking on HBO, which short, sort of served that purpose. 
also not super diverse, but I can't really remember to be honest. I mean, I act that's on my list to rewatch actually. I just saw the first season. I thought it was pretty white for sure. They mix it up a little bit, which is nice. And it's San Francisco. So I'm like, you could like parade a bunch of like garbage trucks in front of me for an hour. And if it's set in San Francisco, I'll be like, wasn't that magical? <laughs> so I'm, I'm on board. Okay, fair. But also it was like, like when I watch that, I just think like, I don't look like either of those people and I need to put a paper bag over my face because everyone is so beautiful. Everyone is so hot and they're so hot. And listen, I, I'm the kind of person who, if someone, if there's a show full of hot people, I'm going to at least watch a couple episodes. For sure. <laughs> for sure. Give it a we season. Like watching, yeah. We like watching beautiful things, beautiful people in front of us. I mean, that's Hollywood. Yeah. But it is too bad that it was so whitewashed, you know? Yeah. I mean, especially for San Francisco, yeah. which is, in my experience, not an overwhelmingly white city by a long stretch. Mm -hmm. That's funny. That just made me think of, have you seen The Queen's Gambit? Speaking of white people on TV. <laughs> Speaking of white people on TV, I have not, <laughs> but I was just talking to my best friend about it yesterday. There's so much hype around that show, so maybe that's next on my list. I, I understand that it's about, like, a chess prodigy. Yes. And, like, I'm not that into chess. That's what you say now, Colin. <laughs> and you start watching the show. I was talking to a friend about this. Chess, arguably, not to... Not not to be shady, one of the most boring activities to watch. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, like, are you going to move that piece of plastic here or here? But somehow they do it, and I'm like, <gasps> and then she moves it, and it's like, suddenly it's an action movie. Okay. It's very exciting. Mm -hmm. But I brought it up because Beauty on Film, what's her name? Anna Taylor-Joy That's or something? That's the, the redhead who's the lead? Her, her face is like, what? How? Yeah. Like, it defies science. Yeah. <laughs> From the images and, and like, the like the preview footage that I've seen, she does look very model-esque. Oh, my God. Her eyes are 50% of her face. Oh, so she probably looks like, you know, Frozen? Yes. I've, I've heard of it. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I'm not, like, a huge Frozen fan because I'm a 32-year-old person. But, like, I have seen it. <laughs> and I watched the sequel in theaters, I guess that was, you know, last year or the year before. You sound like a huge Frozen fan of me i know sure. i'm a frozen stan but like their eyes are so big and i it's so strange to watch like i guess i mean i mean the, sh the shows that i watched when i was young i guess anime like eyes are really like the proportions of face are so inhuman yeah it's just strange that like the images that we present to children are so unrealistic and it's not just bodies it's Faces. Yes. It's so bizarre. I know it's artistic license and it's, it's strange. Well, sure. It is very strange. But then she comes along and you're like, oh, maybe that is what some people look like. <laughs> right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there are some, yeah, there are some pop stars and, and starlets that do, like Lily Collins. Yes. Like she has, is so beautiful and so teeny tiny and her eyes are huge. Like, I mean, I guess those humans do exist. Yeah. But I feel like when you have big eyes and you grow up, the road diverges at one point and you either become the beautiful Anna Taylor-Joy or uh -huh. you go the other way and you become Steve Buscemi. I don't know who Steve Buscemi is. Should I know? Should I be embarrassed? You, no, you shouldn't at all. Okay. You can give this a Google if you want. I'm going to do it right now. Steve Buscemi is a wonderful actor. Okay. Who you will see on many HBO shows, including The Sopranos and Boardwalk Empire. Okay. But he, his eyes are so singular. I'm looking this up right now. Steve, Steve Buscemi. Bu oh, Buscemi. Oh, oh, this guy. You know him. He's like big eyed, but after maybe wandering through the desert without water for 40 days. Right. And he always plays like a nervous villain. No? Yeah, he's always a bit tweaky. And there's an amazing blog someone started. I don't know if it's still online, but it's called... I think it's called Steve Buscemi eyes and it's gorgeous <laughs> models with just Steve Buscemi's eyes put over their eyes. That's great. Yeah. That sounds like, sounds like a runway show. Let's produce it. That's, oh my God. Let's produce it. <laughs> That's your homework. Find the blog, Steve Buscemi eyes. Steve Buscemi eyes. I'm on it. It'll be that after I finish watching the Hills, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I will discover that, you know, I can only um, consume one type of media at a time. So once the Hills is over, then Steve Buscemi eyes. Yes. And then I don't know, the world is is my oyster. Maybe I'll go back to Sex in the City and hate watch it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. We'll figure out how to make that better. Okay. And produce that too. Right. And I did say before, I just realized I made a mistake. I said like, oh, it was four white, cisgendered, straight women. But um, Cynthia Nixon 
queer woman, amazing spokesperson for the LGBTQ plus community. So I stand her. Yeah, good point. So we just need more of her. And then maybe some color also. (laughs) Maybe some color. How about, yeah, because I was going to say four Mirandas, which is arguably a completely different genre of show. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, it's like sort of like a legal sci-fi situation. Yeah, it's it's so interesting that, you know, we're really looking at diversity and represent diverse representation on television and mainstream media now. Mm -hmm. And it's 2020. And it's it's just, I mean, then this year has been such a, you know, it's been what it is. But it's just so interesting that like, it's it took this long. It's not even like, oh, that was a very 80s or 90s. This is 2020. Yeah. And now we're finally seeing some casts that are diverse. It's so bizarre. There's truly no excuse. Yeah. And it's like, the fact that's happening now, it's, and many people are still being convinced. Mm-hmm. And you have to be like, no, like, look. There are no people who are not white, straight people in this movie. Yeah. And we're like, oh my God, I guess Gone with the Wind doesn't hold up. <laughs> right. <It's> a- <laughs> I just think we need to do more. Oh yeah, big time. And I think like before it's like, this is a great movie, but you know, it's like an East Asian movie yeah. or something like that. That became the sort of category in a way instead of it's a comedy or mm-hmm. it's a drama. Yeah. And so now we're kind of, I feel like collectively just getting over that hump of like, you know, the way we still give a Best Actress Oscar. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? Like, pretty good for a girl. Yeah, tr- Yes, that's exactly it. <laughs> and the Dora Awards, uh, I think they started last year or this year, the, the Toronto Theatre Awards, mm-hmm. they, um, they got rid of, of gendered categories. Yes. And it's so, it turns awards on their head. Because, you know, for decades and decades, we've been thinking about everything in the binary. We've been thinking about performances and performers in the binary. But as we move forward, like, is that the best course of action? Is that is that relevant to today? Yeah. Probably not. Yeah, who's that serving? But going back to, uh, which I always go to call Bake Off, and <laughs> it is not called Bake Off, the Great Canadian Baking Show. Right, legally, it is the Great Canadian Baking Show that is correct. <laughs> yeah, it's a copyright issue, I believe. I don't know the, the total ins and outs, but I think it has something to do with Pillsbury. But don't quote me on that. Seriously? Straight to the top. And I, I love those sliced Pillsbury cookies over the holidays. I know, but that demonic little, little creature. <laughs> He's so cute. He looks like a frog. Yeah, but what is he made of, Colin? He's, he's not... He's made of bread dough. Oh, he's dough? Yeah, he's dough. It's a Pillsbury dough boy. Oh, why has he got to be white? I mean, that's true. <laughs> he, he, I mean, they could have made him a pumpernickel, and then he would have been a darker shade. <laughs> right? 2020, girl. Oh, my God. LOL. Could you imagine if they rebrand the Pillsbury Doughboy as a Pillsbury Doughboy of color? <laughs> or Pillsbury Dough Person of color? I love it. Let's do that. Pillsbury. So, PD... PDPOC. Hilarious. OMG. We've got it. Okay, this, <laughs> this is legally binding. This is our property, so everyone yes, back off. This is it. We have a lot of projects ahead of us, Trevor. We have have to redo Sex in the City as a queer, diverse cast, and then we have to come up with the PDPOC, Pillsbury Dope, Person of Color. Oh, that's a lot. And Colin, you've already got three careers, so I'm yeah. going to ask you to quit two of them. Well, I think the Pillsbury project would, would fall within marketing and um, and baking. So I feel like that's okay. Okay. But then the Sex in the City, maybe that'll be a 2022 project. Well, no, you can, we'll get you on that and you can sing on Great. it. Great. Okay, perfect. Maybe bake a cake too. Awesome. <laughs> okay, so so moving along. Yeah. We are here, I mean, we're here today to talk about a lot of things, We're specifically baking of course and singing and all of the many things you do but one of the jobs which you did not apply for but yes. which was forced upon you Colin is the job of being a 24-7 queer yeah and it's not easy <laughs> it's it's not What's that song? It won an Oscar. It's hard out here for a pimp. Do you remember that song? I do remember that song. It's hard out here for a queer too. It's, it's not easy, but queer. it is fun. But it is fun. <laughs> it is fun. Sometimes. And we look fantastic doing it. I think so. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And and it is hard because, and you know this, Colin, and I know this, that it's not our fault because so many things can make you queer. And we didn't know this before. <laughs> for example, um, if you inhale too much powdered sugar, um, if you pull the wrong blood, 
pocket of the Jenga tower. <laughs> exactly. I just saw the movie Portrait of a Lady on Fire, I think it's called, which is amazing. Oh, great title. Okay. Yeah. And it's about two women in the 18th century who inhale too much oil paint and both become lesbians. I mean, that's how it happens. Essentially. <laughs> that's it. I know. And now, <laughs> now we know. It, science. I know. Thank God for science. <laughs> thank I goodness. mean, I don't understand it. But, <laughs> but that's why you're here because I am giving you a platform finally. Thank goodness. After all the platforms you've been on, I'm here to give you a chance to point the finger of blame. Thank you. And say, once and for all, what made you queer? What made me queer? What didn't make me queer? I think that's that's the real question. When I remember the switch being flipped on, it was a moment when I was watching a movie. I was watching The Beauty and the Beast. The Disney animated classic. The Disney animated classic. Seminal classic. <laughs> and um, there's a scene where the villain of the movie, Gaston, is singing a song and he rips open his shirt to reveal a giant hairy chest. And um, that's what did it. You're kidding. I remember this moment. Yeah, I think about that moment every day. Um, there was a time where the back, and I'm not even, I'm not kidding, the background, like the wallpaper of my laptop was that image. Stop <laughs> it. was just Gaston ripping open his shirt. And I just remember watching it and thinking, huh, I think I like dudes. <laughs> I think I'd like to see more of that. No, wait, how how old were you? I don't... And were you in the theater or was this a home video situation? It must have been a home video because I think it came out. Let me Google this right now. When did Beauty and the Beast come out? I was definitely at home. Because I saw Beauty and the Beast for one of my birthdays in the theater. <gasps> okay, so it was 1991. So I would have been three years old. Amazing. So I def it was definitely a home video. Okay. Um, And you know, I probably pressed pause and then rewound and then watch it again and over and over again. I mean, it was, yeah. Were you alone, do you think, in this situation? I should hope so. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, I definitely watched it with my older sisters. Sure. Um, but I probably watched that alone as well. But I would say like that is that's the moment when the switch was when the switch was turned on for good. I mean, that amount of over-the-top hyper masculinity is uh is a lot to handle. It was a lot to handle, and I remember thinking why is he the villain? He's great. <laughs> this is his story. Yeah, he is handsome. He is athletic. He has the biggest chest I've ever seen in my life. He is both the beauty and the beast, Colin. Exactly. Exa I mean, that's what this person wants anyway. <laughs> but I just remember, what an untimely death in the end. He was just trying to find his lady. That's right. He's trying to give her a good life. I mean, yes, he locked up her dad, I guess. Guess No, Gaston does a lot of bad things in that movie. He does, but... It's just so beautiful. You know, beautiful people get away with a lot. <laughs> it's true. Look at the hills. Look at the, <laughs> look at the hills. Seriously, yeah, no, not Gaston. I think, yeah, Gaston does get, like, pitchforked off of a winding path into the abyss. Yes, he falls down, and I wish he fell into my arms, because what a what a wonderful man. <laughs> what a, what, I mean, you, maybe you are down at the bottom of that pit, little six-year-old Colin. That's me, teeny tiny Colin. But here's the thing, though, you'd have, first of all, where did you grow up, Colin? I grew up in Scarborough, but, uh, I mean, sort of. So I, I grew up in Scarborough, but I went to school downtown. Okay. In downtown Toronto. Okay. So I just say, like, I grew up in Toronto because, well, because Toronto, I mean, Scarborough is part of uh, the GTA. Now it is, yeah. Uh, but also, like, I, I, like, as a child, I had no friends in Scarborough. Like, I didn't know anyone, and I didn't know anything in Scarborough. Because, like, from grade 3 to 12, I was um, down by the Eden Center. Right, okay. Um, so, like, I just, like, didn't know what was up in Scarborough. So I'm like, this is just where I eat and sleep sometimes. So you don't really identify as a, a Scarbarian. Like, I do and I don't. Um, because I was a commuter. Like, even through university, I was commuting from Scarborough to downtown. So I just say I'm a Toronto boy. Okay, Toronto. So little Colin in Toronto. I picture you, like, in the basement, maybe, on a corduroy couch. Although if you were at school, maybe it's <laughs> a much nicer couch. But your competition, then, would be and i can't remember his name but gaston had that little guy who was obsessed with him lafou lafou yeah and that was there was already a homoerotic dynamic playing out on that's screen because lafou wanted a piece of that man a hundred percent and i i definitely didn't pick up on that and i do i think disney does a great job at hiding gay things in their movies for us little queers because i'm sure like all the songwriters and a lot of the animators are big old queers Oh, 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think in the uh, in the remount or like the remake with um, Hermione Granger as Belle, bad casting choice, FYI. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I love that you called her Hermione Granger. Like that's her birth name. I mean, she will always be Hermione Granger to me. I mean, who knows? Her name is lost to time. We just call her Hermione Granger. I Emma, Emma Watson, I think Emma it is. Watson, yeah, she was miscast. Emma, Hermione Granger Watson. Um, but in that version, um, LeFou is queer, I think. <gasps> really? I think they, they make it a little bit more, slightly more apparent that he is queer. I think there's a scene of him dancing with a man, and I think that's it. Okay, um, I mean, I, that's the least they can do is acknowledge, yes. yes, this is the gayest character we've ever made. Agreed. And that cast was, like, somewhat diverse. Oh, I mean, yeah. We had Audra McDonald in there. Who is she? She was the wardrobe. Oh, great. She was the opera singer wardrobe. And I think I think Babette might have been a person of color, yeah. potentially. Anyway, they did what they could. And I think a bunch of the extras were also diverse. So that's that's good. They did some good stuff. I mean, for Disney. But they did one bad thing. Oh, what's that? They cast Hermione Granger as Belle. <laughs> Let's cast some British woman who can't sing, but is beautiful. You know what I think they're doing? Because she's been cast, she does, I mean, she, I think she was pretty good in Little Women, the remake, which I adored. Okay, I haven't seen it, but that's good to hear. But I think casting directors, which, and you might be able to relate to this, aren't the most creative people. And so they grew up with her. They're like, that girl always seems to be in or nearby a castle. Oh, Therefore, yeah. she's great for this movie, which largely <laughs> takes place in a castle. <laughs> she's the castle girl. That is, yeah, she's a castle girl. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she looks she looks great in, in period clothing. Yes. And she's got a great accent and she's very beautiful. So that's, and you know, like a screen test, sometimes it's like you hold up your hands or like they want to see you next to the laundry detergent. For her, the self-tape is always like, can you just hold a castle next to your face? Yeah. Can you like wear a dress and like be in olden times? Cool. <laughs> your right. cast. Hold a baguette. Nailed it. Hold a baguette. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Marie the baguettes. Hurry up. Oh my God. God. I mean, B Beauty and the Beast is not my favorite Disney movie. Okay. Although I love it. Fair. Any moment of any day, I will watch that scene. Her intro scene where she bursts through the town collecting <sighs> books. and oh, She's just yelling bonjour to everybody. Yeah, because that's pretty queer. Or they're all yelling bonjour at her they're all yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of bonjour being tossed about willy-nilly yes so many hellos hello 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 but that i think is a queer kid i liked because everyone's like she's a bit off and she's like yeah yeah but i'm cool with it yeah. i got my own little book planet and i talk to furniture she's like fyi everybody in this town i'm the only one here who knows how to read so i'm coming out <laughs> on top by the way i'm gonna invent the ipod i'm gonna <laughs> like i'm gonna invent amazon you know why everybody because i can read and you're all doing laundry and buying bread or eggs oh shit that's shady yeah it's true i think Belle is she is kind of oh maybe she's not that shady she's like oh i'm different why doesn't anybody like me so i guess she didn't really have a lot of salt to her but she should have girl had it going on she did but she was sweet she was like oh you misunderstood old man and right you silly yeah. little common folk but she wasn't classist about it no she wasn't she wasn't i mean girl was a peasant she i guess they were all peasants except for the beast except for the beast who was just rich and and Harry sounds good to me check and check yeah <laughs> and he just wants to have dinner with me and like keep me inside yeah please. sounds like a great quarantine partner I know seriously right <laughs> yeah what's the alternative like me wandering in the wilderness yeah exactly me just strolling around the distillery district just yelling bonjour to people and it's like put on your mask that's a you good know. point the beast is the the ideal quarantine partner yeah He's there to feed and clothe you. He'll have a dance party with you if he wants. He'll dress up. You're right. He'll, no shame, have a two-person dance party. And yeah, and put on a cute little jacket. Yeah, and who isn't talking to their furniture these days? Oh my God. I mean, I live alone, so I feel very bell. Oh my but God. But there's no beast around, so it's very sad. <laughs> so hang on. So this is v very perfect, really. So the Beauty and the Beast, Okay. I don't believe in prophecies per se, mm -hmm. but this movie perhaps foretold our new, brave new world. It did. I, uh, yes, we're all in quarantine. We're all, I mean, I don't, I don't have a partner and I don't live with a partner. Uh -huh. So I get, but I guess if you did, they might become your beast or your beauty in that you're stuck with them. You might start resenting them. Right. Sometimes you're forced to have a dance party with them just That's to like right, mix things up. <laughs> I feel like we are sort of mentally snipping out the whole kidnapping Stockholm syndrome situation. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Which is, I, I mean, I'd love to be held captive just to change things up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's time to spare. You got time, right? I guess so. Although I'm not really 
really leaving my home. No. So like, how's anyone gonna kidnap me? Well, here's the thing. Gaston didn't wait for Belle to leave the castle. That's true. He like came knocking on her door. Oh no, he went into the castle to find her. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. right. Cut to you looking out the window and there's like a horde of, with torches approaching you. Well, if Gaston is leading, like uh, the door's unlocked. That's it. <laughs> I'm ready. You're like, my body's truly, ready. <laughs> anytime I'm ready, I'm always ready. Yeah. You've got the cake in the oven so it smells like butter. Exactly. We're, we're ready to go. I, I've vacuumed. My Roomba has like taken around. I'm impressed. We're good. Drinks ready. So maybe this is appropriate as a baker. <laughs> I mean, you do mm-hmm. other things. Okay, so knock, knock, knock on the door or like hammer, hammer, hammer. You open it. <laughs> Gaston is there. Yeah. So you're like, oh my God, this is my moment. It's come true. So you have to bring out the perfect bake for Gaston. <laughs> what does that man eat? Oh, I think he, I was going to say, I feel like he only eats Egg yolks. I feel like the Gaston of 2020 would like only eat egg yolks. Sorry, not not egg, egg whites, not egg yolks. Oh, because it's like the pro, the protein. Because it's protein, yeah. He's very like, he's a big protein guy. So I don't know, what's a very protein packed bake? I mean, oh, what am I saying? I'd make him a wedding cake. <laughs> <laughs> That's like I, I make him a beautiful wedding cake okay. with a lot of egg whites. So it's still very protein rich. And I'd be like, Perfect. hey, I'm ready. Don't have a ring. No problem. Let's go to City Hall. That's right. Isn't meringue only egg whites anyway? It is. It's egg whites and sugar. But maybe I'll just make him a pavlova. Let's do that. You can make a pavlova. But how do you... And egg whites are protein heavy. So this ticks all the boxes? Yeah. All the sweet, protein rich, celebratory. Oh my God. M- m- marriage themed... <laughs> Marriage themed. I mean, I guess if he's going to take the bait, he's already going queer. But I feel like a pavlova is a... How would... I mean, would he be into it? Would he see this fluffy white dessert and be like, I'm not that kind of brute? Yeah, true. Maybe he would just want like some really good bread. So I would just have like a whole array of baked goods for him, just ready for him to mow down. I mean, that sounds good for me. <laughs> Do you think Gaston is mask for mask or like is 2020 Gaston a bit a bit more chill? Oh, you know, I would say like 1991 Gaston would probably be mask for mask. Yeah. Probably only dating white men. Ugh. Uh, but I think 2020 Gaston is like, I think he's open to all experiences. Yes. I'm only painting him in this positive light just because I'm deeply in love with him. I mean, listen, <laughs> he did have a long, lustrous ponytail. He did. And, but you know, at the time I wasn't into, um, men with long hair. Oh, really? And I think that was just because of gender norms thrust upon me by a mainstream media. Oh and now I don't care. If you're hot, you're hot. I don't care what your hair looks like. You, you know what? <laughs> How... Who even Truly. am I? Who have I become, Trevor? How how open and accepting. I accept all people of all races and creeds as long as you're smoking hot. Yeah. And you got huge arms. Yeah. And you know, smoking hot means different things at different times of the day, I will say. That's right. My tastes vary. Do you know what? That's funny too. I, I mean, of course, when you're like working through, you're decoding queerness in the media you're exposed to or the world you're exposed to as a kid. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the, the queer archetypes you find like Gaston are just like mm-hmm. super traditionally masculine. Traditionally masculine. Absolutely. So I grew up with that too, that projection of like, ooh, from, although for me, it was Christian Slater and Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, ooh, which is yeah. slightly before your time. A little bit, but I, I have seen it. Good choice. He And he's not a big burly dude, but there mm-hmm. is a scene where he, is shirtless reclining in a pile of dead leaves where I was like, is it hot in here? What's happening? <laughs> can we open a window? Was that your moment? That was, that's my moment. So we can blame And I have Christian. a lot of mo- moments, movie or non-movie, but that was my first movie moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of like, why do I want to be in dead leaves with that man? Yeah, like, why do I want to be like best friends with that guy? That's right. And just go on a long adventure for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Like, and that's, that's what it feels like when you're a kid watching, the, like for me, it started with Gaston and then it continued with cartoon like other cart like captain planet mm-hmm. um what is it like johnny bravo i guess like all sure. these like hyper masculine like really hot animated men and i thought like huh i'd love to like be in this show and like be this person's friend <laughs> and then we slowly move towards live action like real actors yeah and so like i'm sure i had a crush on like oh i think it was like ac slater saved by the bell yes um some of the i don't know what they're called but like the hosts on like ytv kids like some of the male hosts i thought were like pretty spicy pjs girl pjs thank you yeah yeah what does pj stand for uh wow (laughs) something jockey jock Per- person jockey? Per- personal jockey. Personal person jockey. <laughs> so strange. I think they were just trying to find like something like a cute 
two letters that wasn't VJ or, or DJ. I think you might be right. Although a personal jockey does sound like a job description that I have a vacancy for. I'd, I'd love a, same here. I'd love a personal jockey. Yeah. Anybody listening? Now accepting resumes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you my PO box. Yeah, no doubt. AO. <laughs> but also that's funny because uh, we, I mean, starting from those archetypes of the Gastons and the, mm-hmm. the burly hairy chest, but then now, you know, coming into your queerness when, you know, you're like long hair, I can do it. Or yeah. like the, you, you know, you un- pack even you know even queer people are not safe from that those stereotypes that that builds mm-hmm. and then we have to work through that and and sort of come out again i think in some different ways for sure yeah and now here we are just like um at the top of our game stuck inside our yeah homes. we've never been more woke than now <laughs> it's true and now we realize the world is shattered yeah we're we're woke and we we're our eyes are open to all of the terror around us um, but we are all at home, so we're only reading about and looking no. at all these awful things through our screens. So at least we're at least we're safe at home. Those of us who are following the rules, anyway. I know we're very very privileged to be safe at home for sure. Yeah. But Colin, this is to not to be too uh, monothematic, but it's like the world is an oven and it set itself on the clean setting, <laughs> and all the the garbage, the old stuff, are just kind of baking off. And then when we do open True. the oven. It's just going to be pristine, and yeah. um, then we can uh, make a cake, girl. Exactly, and then we can make that wedding cake for Gaston. Make that. If nothing else, this whole year has been grooming you to be the bride that Gaston wants and deserves. Yeah, I, he just wants someone. Oh, maybe it's the. I was going to say he just wants someone to stay at home and never leave and just bake. But you know what? It's probably the Beast and Gaston. They just want someone to like just literally be locked up twenty four seven. I'm fine with it. If my husband's Gaston, I will be locked up at home gladly with a smile on my face. Yeah, I mean, listen, if it empowers you, but they, to be honest, they both kind of sound like dickheads. I mean, yes, they're both awful, but... Period. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess there's no but. <laughs> yeah. But, but they're both pretty hot. I know. And you know what? That gets you pretty far. See, this is what mainstream media has done to me. I know. I, yeah, I'm destined to be in an awful relationship based on my obsession with Gaston. This is not boding well for me. Well, here's the thing. If this was a, a beautiful poetic novel, mm-hmm. this is the end of this act. And in the next act, you'd go blind. Oh, God. Yeah, and through your blindness, Colin, you would learn to, yeah, because you would have to learn to, oh, wow, I have to appreciate people for this thing I've heard about called inner beauty. (laughs) What's that? I know, it's to be honest, it's overrated. Uh, Skip, fast forward, fast forward. Exactly. What is the name of this book of my life? I don't know, but then maybe in Act 3, you get uh, a kind of LASIK that restores your sight, so inner beauty doesn't have to matter long term. It just teaches you a lesson. It teaches me that I need both. That's right. Yeah. And then you, you all go to the beach exactly. and credits fate <laughs> and that's it okay so we've got one more project okay yeah i love it we have oh my goodness this is such a productive brainstorming session what a think tank we're just we're just peppy we're just like <laughs> we're, we're we're just ready to rock ready to create new things and better the world i'm gonna send this audio clip unedited to uh <laughs> nbc cbs awesome uh, hbo pixar. pixar let's do it let's cast the net wide if not now when <laughs> exactly this is our year so colin before i mean i could talk to you about this all day But before I let you go, Mm -hmm. uh, would you like to play a game? I love games. Oh my god, great. Yes. (laughs) This game is called Queer Queerer Queerist. Oh, okay, fun. It's very hard to say the name of it. Um, Okay, so in this game, I'm going to say three things. Okay. You have to put them in order from least queer to most queer and tell me why. Oh, okay, yeah, I love this. This is so fun. Great. Any questions? Um... No, I think I think I'm gonna be really good at this. <laughs> big words. I know. I talk a big game. What can I say? Okay, here we go. Put your money where your mouth is. Okay. First thing, the Charlie's Angels reboot movies. <laughs> okay. I think there were two. Uh, next thing, temporary tattoos. Oh. Okay. Last thing, salad bars. Oh. So we've got the Charlie's Angels reboot movies, temporary tattoos, and salad bars. Least queer to most queer. Okay, but I have questions. Are they temporary tattoos today? Like the current temporary tattoos that are available to adults? Versus 
versus like the ones you'd get at the dollar store as a kid. I see. I remember them from chip bags. Chip bags. Yeah, they had like one janky temporary tattoo in the bottom oh. that smelled like dill, and you'd slap it on your arm. That- <laughs> Nightmare. I know. Okay. Okay. So we're going. We're gonna go with the the like the kids version from the nineties. Do you know any temporary tattoo? If any you, temporary if tattoo. You think okay. Drastically changed in orientation. Please tell me why. Okay. 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 Um. Okay. So queer, queerer, queerest. Ah. Uh, wow. Okay. This is a little bit harder than I thought. Oh, look okay. Who's big talking now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Okay. I would say queer is temporary tattoos. Queerer is salad bars and queer rest is the charlie's angels reboot and this is my reasoning because temporary tattoos they're just like i think what's more queer is having like i don't know bare top like permanently (laughs) tattooed on your body if you're queer you're you're stamping your body with all kinds of hoey things Do you have any tattoos? I don't. I, I, I hem and haw about tattoos, and I have been hemming and hawing about tattoos since I was 25. But I figured once I turn 30, if I still want one, but I don't know what I want, that means that I'll never find one that I actually want, and I probably shouldn't get it. Okay. Um, I, I think salad bars, just, I don't know, I just have a gut instinct that a salad bar is queerer than a temporary tattoo. Okay. I just think of, like, all the quinoa and all the, like, the keto-friendly beans. <laughs> oh, this is one of those bougie Whole Foods salad oh, bars. Oh, yeah, we're, exactly, we're at Whole Foods right now. Um, okay. I just think that's a little bit queerer than a temporary tattoo. I would love to be at a salad bar right now. Oh, Ugh. my God. And you know what? Salad bars are not coming back anytime soon. No, it's very true. Everything's prepackaged. Nothing is is going to be self-serve that's something in a generation you'll be like and once upon a time we used to shove our hands into it some <laughs> dirty tin of raisins and then a stranger would come put their hand in the same tin yeah and sometimes it's macaroni salad gross you know sometimes it's something with mayonnaise in it and still communal just hands um yeah. so <laughs> and then the queerest has got to be the charlie's angels movies you have Lucy Liu in a dominatrix outfit yeah. strutting around to the song Barracuda by heart. <laughs> like, hello? That's another moment where I realized, like, huh, I think I'm Lucy Liu. That's a moment when I watched that and I was like, I think I'm a lesbian. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that too. Or I'm like, I think I'm a boss-ass bitch and I think I need a pencil skirt. Of course. And that, like, just to refresh my memory, that was Cameron Diaz, Drew Barrymore, and Lucy Liu. And Lucy Liu. And I think it was the second movie where Justin Theroux, I think, is the villain. And he's just hot. Is he the guy from the Apple commercials? I, no, that's Justin Long. <laughs> but Justin Theroux, I, he, he, he was also... Um, he, he was a guest on, on a couple episodes of Sex and the City. Look at me knowing so much about Sex and the City. Seriously. <laughs> this is embarrassing. You're like, I'm not really a fan. You said that about Frozen and then you <laughs> sort of like reeled off. Exactly. Uh, I'm such a hypocrite. Uh, but Justin Theroux, he's just like a, I think he's a criminal and he's like in jail doing like upside down sit-ups. I'm like, he's, he's just hot. He's just dangerous and hot. Yeah. So yeah, Charlie's Angels is pretty gay. I think that's... I'm not, thank goodness. I'm not gonna, uh, thank God, right? I was here for the first movie and also the Destiny's Child theme song. Hello. Oh my God, yeah. I yeah. almost forgot. That's the queerest thing about that movie. It's, thank goodness. It was, yeah. That on either of those pieces stand alone or extreme, like activated the chip in queer people's brains. Absolutely. But together... You need to lie down after. It was just like, it, that was a pride parade. Yeah, it was a, it was a pride parade, um, 100%. That was a pride parade, yeah. Oh God, so many trios. Now I'm going to be Googling Justin Theroux, because an upside down sit-up. Oh, uh, he, he's so handsome. And he, in that movie, he's just, there's a thing about like that movie, like some movies, like action movies, where there's a villain who's too sexy for you to be really afraid of. <laughs> Like, holy. I feel like, and there's there's a very boring academic paper <laughs> waiting to be written, but I feel like the villain has to be hotter than the hero. Oh, in order for them to be, well, I mean, look at the villains of the world. Because that's- Hot people. That's, that's right. Every bad person in history. Yeah. But, because I feel like if the villain was hotter than the hero and allowed to stay alive, then I'm going into dangerous territory here. The the <laughs> love interest would go with the villain. So the villain has to be so bad that it's like his treachery overrides his hotness. And right. And I go with this, you know, silver medalist, James Bond. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Well, and, but when you look at the Disney movies, like the early Disney movies of the 80s and 90s and early 2000s, like the villain 
has not been conventionally beautiful, like Ursula or like Jafar. Um, But then when you look at the remakes, like Jafar in the live action Aladdin, hot as hell. Are you kidding me? You want to lock me up? No problem. <laughs> like, sure, I'll be your I'll be your princess Jasmine. Whatever. You heard it here first. Colin wants to be your prisoner, world. I do. I mean, I'm already a prisoner to my oven. Yeah. Like, why not replace that with a man? Seal, seal the deal. That's right. <laughs> this is like, this is becoming a very disturbing episode of this podcast where we uncover all the layers of unrest in my mind. What this is becoming is a therapy <laughs> session that I intend on charging you for. Oh, no problem. I, I'll send you an e-transfer as soon as, as soon as we're offline. You know what, Liz? It's not even, I don't trust you. We're going to stay on camera while I, before I get that Vimo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Amazing. Um, Colin, this has been an absolute pleasure. I want to thank you. Anything that you want to plug before we say goodbye? Oh, what do I want to plug? What a question. Just the short list here. He just unfurled a scroll in front of the camera. <laughs> I, mean, um, I mean, follow me on all social channels. I'm Colin Asuncion on Twitter, Instagram. I have a YouTube channel as well, also Colin Asuncion. So feel free to give me a follow there where I post like uh, baking videos and I'm releasing some new music in the new year. So yeah, give me a follow. You can do it all. So get on there. And also you're missing it because there's a fierce head of hair that I've been looking at this entire time <laughs> and it's not going to translate to podcasts. So you need to get on that Instagram and YouTube and check Colin out. <laughs> Colin, thank you so much. And I want to say, even though a lot of things have already made me queer, this conversation has made me even queerer. This conversation has made me queerest. <laughs> So thank you, Trevor. Take that game and run with it, girl. (laughs) Exactly. I'm going to play this game for the rest of the day. Okay, I'm going to go watch some Beauty and the Beast and some Sex in the City. Amazing. Enjoy. Thank you so much, Trevor. This has been amazingly fun. Thanks, Colin. Okay, so again, that was my conversation with the lovely and hilarious Colin Asuncion. Thank you so much, Colin. Uh, Before we end here, I'm going to introduce you to another segment on You Made Me Queer, potentially called You Made Me Queer Mailbag. M-A-I-L, not a a pun on mail. The name is being workshopped. I'm busy. The point is, you can write in with your own queer origin story, and I may read it on the podcast. So feel free to hop on that website, youmademequeer.com, and there is a form there that you can fill out to share your queer awakening story. Our first ever letter is from Ryan. Dear You Made Me Queer, I was at my grandfather's house. Okay, so we have no... They're just right into it. There's no sort of pleasantries. My dad had taken us to have dinner there after church on Sunday. I was sitting on the floor. The carpet was bumpy with textured swirls in it. Oh, right. Paint the picture. This is someone who I think has probably been to a scene study class or therapy. Um, I was watching Disney and it was a live movie. Usually, I hated everything other than cartoons until now. The Last Flight of Noah's Ark is not a particularly well-known film, but it is burned in my mind. I've never, ever heard of this movie. It may have been Elliot Gould, who I was mildly obsessed with growing up, hairy-chested and masculine, but it was Ricky Schroeder that held my real fascination. Is Ricky Schroeder the guy from Silver Spoons and later, uh, what was that police show, The Procedural? With the blonde hair? Anyway, back to the letter. He was beautiful and scrappy. He played a stowaway on a plane that crashes into the ocean, and in one scene he is in peril, thrashing in the water, his face worried and panicky, and something happened to me. I could feel a tingling, a pressure, as Ricky's wet skin on his face shone in the moonlight. Oh my god, this is getting a bit Danielle Steele for me. Um... I felt something I had never felt before. I was seven years old, and I was attracted to a boy. A perfect boy. I mean, I was always attracted to the Elliot Golds of my life. I can't picture Elliot Gold. Uh, But this was new. And not only that, my body was telling me that it was happening. I was always a flouncy little kid, but in this moment, I was a gay boy. I like that that sounds like a badge of honor here for this person. Well done. My queerness was happening on the inside, and it was glorious. Ricky Schroeder did nothing for me in Silver Spoons. Ha, I was right, it was Silver Spoons. I didn't even make the connection that they were the same actor, but my seven-year-old queer heart longed to be with the Disney boy in the water, feeling good and happy and where I belonged. That is so beautiful, and I truly have no concept of what The Last Flight of Noah's Ark is. It sounds 
like a religious film. But then I'm guessing the plane was just called Noah's Ark, which is confusing. Um, maybe it's a visual gag. Was it made of wood? Anyway, that's a beautiful story. Thank you for the sense memories you presented and for showing us and not telling us. Anyway, that is it for our first show. So if you like this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. It really matters so much for new podcasts and will help me to get off to a good start. If there's something you want to hear on You Made Me Queer, email me and let me know. That's youmademequeer at gmail.com. And if you hear anything wrong, please correct me. And I really mean this. In the words of serial memoirist, fellow San Francisco obsessive, and immortal badass Maya Angelou, when you know better, you do better. And I want to do better. So let me know. Q credits. You Made Me Queer is created, produced, and edited by me, Trevor Campbell. Our theme song is by Critty. For more for music, check out lavenderbruisers.bandcamp.com. Our website is youmademequeer.com. Our Instagram handle is at youmademequeer. New episodes of You Made Me Queer come out every Thursday, except for this, our debut month, March 2021, where we will also be releasing new episodes every Monday. Can you handle it? I can't. Oh my god. Thank you for listening. I really, really hope you enjoyed the show. Until next time, we're here, we're queer, and it's your fault.